Welcome to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. The world is changing faster than ever, and the world of education is too. Advances in psychology, biology, and a whole range of other fields have opened up new lines of thought about the purpose of school and how it can best serve a new generation of students. Join me on the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast every week to explore these new ideas. In our last episode, we spoke with Miss Rebecca Bitten, a teacher here at Braemar, and Miss Amira Gilani, a student of Braemar, about mindfulness and healing. This week, I'll be talking to my guest, Miss Nicole Boyce, the director of our art department here at Braemar College, about creativity, the role of creativity in and outside the classroom, and how creativity can be used to improve both the lifestyle and the success rates of our students. As always, thanks for listening. Hi, Nicole. Thanks Hi. for being with me today. It's only a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. For me as well. <laughs> um, we always like to start just by introducing our guests and getting their sense of their own background and how they arrived at this position, both in their lives and in education. So no, no pressure. Big question right off the bat. <laughs> Huge but question. Yeah, please jump right uh, in. Whew. Okay, so uh, weird accent. I'm sure you can hear it. South African. I have been in Canada for two years almost. Um, I've been at Braemar uh, for almost two years as well. And uh, it's been quite a journey in my education field, in immigration process. So it's just really been a wonderful journey of discovery. Um, most of the time I found myself just falling into things and then finding my voice within it. So education was not on the, the platform of this is the career path. It kind of happened during my varsity years. Um, one of our lecturers uh, fell extremely ill and I took over there and realized this is my calling. Mm. This is the purpose. This is what I was here for. And the funny thing is my mom actually said, since little, you should have been a teacher. You always were instructing all your, all your friends at school. And I was like, teaching me never. And, uh, every day I get here and I'm just doing my calling, doing my purpose. Yeah. It's never a job. Yeah, you are. So, yeah, it's great. Um, I'm loving it. And Braemar has been an amazing platform. It's just been such an awesome experience to build my curriculum the way I've always wanted it to be for 12 years, being stuck, being told what to do. Um, and now we're at a point where I can build it for our students, mm -hmm. what I want it to be. So hopefully that answers a very big question. <laughs> yeah, no, nicely done. Um, I have lots of smaller questions to, to kind of um, introduce there. But I, I, I would like to say that like that passion that you talk about, that realization that this is my purpose, man, I, I felt that in my life so strongly as well. And it, you can recognize it. Like I walk past your classroom most days and I interact with your students most days and that passion is coming through in a really powerful way, uh, undeniably. So thank you for, for bringing uh, that background and, and that, that purpose. To our school. No problem. It's difficult talking about yourself, so apologies yeah. for the red cheeks. Not a thing I do. <laughs> okay, well, the compliments are going to keep flowing. We, we, we brought you in here for right. a reason, so just, you know, <laughs> roll with it. Um, you are uh, the the brains behind our art department here at Braemar. You run, uh, I think you're teaching something like four, two split classes right now? Yeah, two yeah. split classes. So you yeah. got four classes of uh, art students in front of you every single day, yeah. um, and from what I've seen, participating in a lot of different artistic mediums, mm -hmm. right? It's not just getting there and mm -hmm. drawing and, and painting, but you do some That's pretty right. cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk to us a little bit about your ethos? What, what informs your creation of, the, of this art program? Um, at this point, for me, 
I was always influenced by a very old TED talk. Uh, when I went for my interview for my very first school, the principal sat me down and said, you're 20 years old. How are you going to inspire 18 year olds? Uh, you know, how are you going to set that precedent for mm. them? And uh, it was really about finding my own perspectives and understanding my own world and how was I going to engage with these students that were my age and knowing the future was me separating myself from the newer generations. How was I going to keep up? So for me, the curriculum has to build in such a way that I am engaged at all times in a way that is going to stimulate a child from wherever in the world. And here I am today teaching students from every corner of the globe. So it's, it's wonderful. And this principal sat me down and said, what are you going to do? Have you watched this TED talk? And I'm like, um, I don't think so. And it's Sir Ken Robinson. And he talks about, you know, how are we going to help our future generations? How are we going to get there if we don't know what the future holds? Yeah. And I said, well, okay. Then we're not teaching content. We're teaching them how to think. So we have to look at perspective. And so even though a lot of the times we're dealing with practical work, we're drawing, I'm trying to show them this is how you can look at it differently. Hmm. Take yourself out of the situation. Look objectively. Don't think about a box. Don't think outside the box. Throw the box away. Yeah. So that's where it all stems from. And that's where I go from there. Oh, man. It's no wonder we get along so well. Um, that Ken Robinson TED Talk is what made me a teacher. I, wow. Yeah. I, I show that in just about all of my classes. Um, I just read Creative Schools by Ken Robinson for the second time maybe six months ago. Um, and I've got Element, uh, he and Lou Aronica, um, our, our co-collaborators, or, or were. Um, Ken Robinson passed, uh, I believe, mm. two years ago. Yeah. Um, but a man deeply, deeply committed to the idea of creativity and how creativity needs to be reintroduced to an education system that, that in some ways is looking like it... Uh, plays a role in the deterioration of creativity over time in the lives of children. Um, I, I'm so happy you brought up that podcast because I was actually hoping to address one specific point that he brings up in it in, in this podcast that Yay. we're doing. Um, <laughs> he points to a book called The Breakpoint and Beyond, which, um, amongst other studies, cites one study of 1,500 participants who were asked to take a test that ranks up to the top level would be considered a genius in divergent thinking. So if you're scoring above a certain score on this test, you're a genius in, in creativity, divergent thinking. Um, and some of the questions on this test included things, these classic um, sort of thought experiments like, here's a paperclip, how many different uses for this paperclip can you come up with in, in two minutes? The, uh, the other thing that, that he says we should know about the 1,500 uh, test subjects is that they were all kindergarten students. And it was a longitudinal study done of these 1,500 kindergarten students over the course of their early childhood, youth, adolescence. The percentage of students who scored at, above, at genius level for divergent thinking in kindergarten, 98%. 98% of kindergartners are classed as, as geniuses of creativity. They tested, I want to get this right, they tested 8 to 10-year-olds a few years later, and then they tested 13 to 15-year-olds. Uh, I'm not giving away anything uh, that 
most people wouldn't have assumed at this point, mm-hmm. but the eight to 10 year olds scored about 50% genius rating. By the time they were 13 to 15, they were scoring less than 15%. So an almost total reduction in what looks like a native ability to think laterally, to throw away the box, as you said. And this could be the result of a number of different forces. Mm-hmm. This could just be one of the natural courses of our, our innate development. Um, this, there could be a genetic role, there could be an environmental role, but one thing that is, uh, I think, a, a, a reasonable conclusion to draw is that our education structures, the system we've designed to, in part, raise these, these kids, um, has contributed to this yeah. deterioration in creativity. Another huge question to throw at you. Um, what is creativity? What, what, what is it? What does it do? What is its purpose in our lives? For me, creativity has always been a space. It's an intuitive space. It is a, for me, the incarnation of the soul. If you're ever going to look at something existentially, if you're going to look at yourself within this world, I don't think you can remove creativity from what is the soul. The problem is... And like you were talking about these, these, um, you know, these certain studies, every child is born an artist. It's how to keep them an artist. Mm-hmm. And a famous artist said that. So, you know, looking at it from um, a spiritual point of view, um, quite ethereal. So I'm going to try and get back to a more objective point of view in, in a moment, I promise. It's not going to get all very fluffy. We don't mind. <laughs> but for me, it, it really is this intuitive space it is a collaborative space i don't believe creativity can be done in a vacuum you have to be surrounded by people you feed off all that inspiration and creativity is really the product of being inspired Mm -hmm. so being aware um, having your finger on the pulse of society looking in on society being part of society looking at it in a metaphysical kind of way that is what creativity really stems from if I could give it an origin story, <laughs> but as its own essence, how do we how do we capture it? We can't box it. We can't wrap it up in a nice little gift. Mm-hmm. Give it to somebody. Unfortunately, everyone's is like their fingerprint. It is individual to every single person. Yeah. And you talk about my different methods and practices in the classroom. I try and open that up as far as possible. Mm-hmm. If a student says, "I'm going to perform this piece," there's no wrong answer. It's their creativity and how they are going to express it. And so teaching a sense of context, so that's where the theory comes in in my curriculum. It's teaching tolerance. It's teaching understanding. Once we have context, once we understand where something's coming from, how we're interpreting it, why are we interpreting it this way? Is this the intention? Then it's doing its job. Then it's showing that expression. And that, to me, is the best way. I can give you Mm -hmm. creativity, this huge thing that you just cannot box you cannot put it in a nice little you know gift wrap unfortunately <laughs> no I, I think that's exactly right and probably there's an indication or there's a hint in there about why our education system struggles so much to bring uh, creative encouragement mm-hmm. to students who as you say yeah. each have an individual soul yeah. they have an authentic self which is awesome. they are they are in the midst of the the, the journey or the battle or the struggle to find and identify and, yeah. l- and live through. 
and there's 20 to 30 of them sitting in front of one instructor and and we're we have standards and no we have to quantify the education that's what we've been told to do for almost 200 years now Mm -hmm. we have to quantify this understanding of i am learning there's the issue yeah prove it proving it yeah so this constant strive for i need proof i need evidence creativity is this ethereal thing it's all around us in abundance we can't just box it up and say here's the grade and that's where i think the the issue starts happening and that's where we need to start reevaluating our curriculums Mm -hmm. yeah i couldn't agree more um obviously there's there's middle grounds to be struck here and we we've seen enough of progressive models that are either poorly or completely unregulated to know that there are underserved students in those settings as well. Um, but with that said, you look at these studies like the, the one that Ken Robinson cites, and I think the evidence is pretty much in that if we value creativity at all, if, if we do genuinely believe that this is a way to get not just a person to understand themselves better, but then for that authentic self to be a part of this society, to be bringing its passion, its mm-hmm. genuineness uh, to the problems that we most need answered. Um, if we value that, we need to do, be doing something differently. Yeah. We need to be more creative about our delivery of, <laughs> of, uh, of creative education. Um, how? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm on year 12 with that how. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lifelong journey. It's, yeah. I don't think I'll ever finish it. I don't expect to, but I hope I can contribute to it. I can contribute to the how. That's... That's all I can give. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> humility, and, and I think one that we, we need all to adopt if we're going to move forward. Um, I asked you before a bit about your background. Can you expand a bit on your, your artistic background? Uh, what have you done in the past? What are you still doing, and what, is it, what does it give you? Oh, okay, so uh, pretty much growing up as an only child with no children my own age, there was a pencil and a piece of paper, and that was it. That mm. was your entertainment. And so it's always been a safe place. It's always been a place of growth for me, uh, a place where I could express where, you know, the imagination just had nowhere to go. Um, Maybe luckily, you know, not having all this content bombarded on top of me like TikTok and Instagram. And so it just was with me throughout high school. It was a safe place in many dark times. And then it just became, well, can I expand on this? Can I share this? And so I thought, okay, let's let's go do a fine art degree. Um, so I did a three-year um, national diploma, and then went on to do my degree and my honors degree. Um, I majored in painting, uh, but did sculpture um, in terms of cement sculpture, welding, uh, did printmaking, lino cut, uh, every kind of discipline I went through rigorously with very difficult lecturers, which mm. was great good thick skin that you need to build Um, and then from there it was like I said earlier uh, moving into the space of I think the academia of it was really challenging for me it was interesting to me as much as I love to create writing for me on an academic kind of um, scale was really challenging for me it was something that I couldn't grasp and I rather do things that I can't do I I tend to lean to want them you know Mm. so they they, that edge that precipice that I want to keep falling off so that's where I went. And so I thought being in education will keep me in that. So writing a few blogs, uh, continuing, I started my master's 
before coming to Canada. So that just needs to be rebooted at this point. Um, I mainly work with, um, you know, identity and um, mainly the feminine of an identity and where it is within our society um, and working with uh, traditions, past traditions and future traditions and how they integrate, especially coming from a, a country where certain identities were not allowed for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And so dealing with those uh, post-apartheid um, identities was something that I really was stimulated by and needed, they needed a voice. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Just the thing that comes to mind most when you, when you talk about the need for vocalizing identities that have been repressed uh, in the past. I'm looking right now in this past week, this past Friday, we had Truth and Reconciliation Day here in Canada, looking at a whole population of people whose identities were, were not just um, marginalized, but there was a, a, an entire system designed to erase them, completely erase the identity, and they were systematically doing that for some time. And the beautiful resilience, the beautiful leadership, the beautiful art that has come out of those indigenous communities, even in the years since the, the admission of guilt from the, the Canadian government and the um, establishment of the Truth and Reconciliation Council, mm. I'm struck again and again by having lived in Canada for 33 years and now in the past perhaps five just coming to the bare edge, the surface mm. of this enormously complex, beautiful, creative, necessary identity. Yeah. and. Boy, do I want to see more of it. Boy, I'm so glad we have, you know, indigenous installations at the, the library just across the street from us. I know our Kleck Club is going there next week. Fantastic. And, yeah. and they're going to get that exposure that my entire generation missed out on mostly when we were kids. And certainly my parents' generation missed out on the AGO and their commitment to indigenous exhibitions, et cetera. And yeah. it's also so nearby. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also thinking about our, our students who are doing such a wonderful job on, on social media right now. Um, exposing and being a voice for the women in Iran mm -hmm. as this, this, this horrible unrest I is unfolding following the, the, the brutal death of that 21-year-old that uh, for removing a hijab. These 15-year-olds, these 18-year-olds are, are taking it on themselves to be the voice for an identity that is actively being, being erased, being distorted and, and silenced yeah. um, in the world right now. So Hopefully that's a, a good precursor to, or a, a, maybe a good continuance yeah. in the question of what is this creativity for? Yeah. Because it's really easy to answer the question, what is engineering for? Mm -hmm. What is medicine yeah, for? It has a function. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's A plus B equals C. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of trouble even answering for our students. And they say, miss, I got to be here this early in the morning to attend this class. Right? Why? <laughs> right? I had trouble as an English teacher. I really had to work through, what's my answer to that question, right? Why do I have to write this essay if I'm going to be an accountant, yeah. right? Good question, Bob. <laughs> Good question, Billy. Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully we're able to say things like that, mm -hmm. things about identity and the, yeah. the search for an authentic self yeah. in the midst of other authentic yeah. selves. Yeah. Right? For me, it's in my class most of the time. I have students that just need this art credit. You know, I'm sitting here, I need this credit. I need to get out of here. By the end of the course, my whole hope is that, you know, I'm looking at the world a little bit differently. I'm pulling myself out of it. I'm looking in on it, you know, becoming a little bit more um, understanding, tolerant. If I can get a child that, or a student walking in, you know, feeling very much within their 
their space, this comfortability. I hope they leave my class and they're so uncomfortable and they just embrace everything that comes their way and they have no stigma. They have no sense of, you know, I follow these rules, leave my class and just accept. Mm. You know, that's what I'm hoping for every single student that walks through that door. That's it. If you haven't seen evidence of it yourself, <laughs> let me tell you, first person point of view, those students are leaving that classroom with Yay. something with that. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny, one of those students, I, I believe you've taught in the past, I've taught her in the past, um, she was just looking for a, a new book from our library to, to read. She's hoping to go into psychology in um, university. This is uh, Masha K. I'll call yeah. her that. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know her. And she grabbed this book, uh, Deviate by mm. Bo Lotto. Uh, which I had, I bought it a couple of years ago and just kind of put it on the shelf and sneakily thought maybe I'll grab this for myself and read it one day, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, of course, Masha brings it back to me two days later, uh, covered in sticky notes, sticky right? Notes, She's gone through the whole thing somehow <laughs> as she, as she still is crushing all of her classes. And so I got to read a few of her notes and a, and a few of the sticky notes. And this fellow, Bo Lotto, is a neuros, neuroscientist. Um, talking about how do you generate a state of creativity and what is that state from a, a neuroscientific mm -hmm. point of view. You were talking about loving the edge, mm -hmm. right? really wanting to go back to that edge again mm -hmm. and again and be uncertain. Mm -hmm. Bolotto would say that that's exactly what creativity requires. Mm -hmm. He would say that our, our whole system, our entire brain has evolved to avoid uncertainty, yeah. right? Hence things like confirmation bias, or even he points to the fact that uh, publicly, we often mock or insult people for changing their minds, for being flexible and, and plastic instead of saying, well, you said this thing two years yeah. ago, and now I've caught you out. Right? Actually, actually I got new evidence and changed my mind. Yeah. Um, he would say that these heuristics, or what he calls attractor states, are how we get through life, right? We, we learn a few things, make some assumptions about it, build a little framework for ourselves, and then we don't quite have to worry about that part of life anymore. We can think about other things. Autopilot. And yeah, yeah, we can keep that one in our peripheral <laughs> on autopilot and just assume that it's going to keep operating the same yeah. way as it always has. And that's how we get into trouble, yep. right? Because we start, we, we say, oh, this works. Yeah. I'm not going to tinker with it anymore. Yeah, the complacency. Yeah, and then we end up with an industrial era education system in... 2022, yeah. 2023. Yay! Um, time to get uncertain again, folks. Yeah. Time to, to yeah. re-examine some of these these attractor states. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful metaphor he talks about. It's very simple, but he says, if, if you imagine life is, you, you are a ball and life is a field mm -hmm. and you're rolling through a flat field, you can imagine continuing to move progressively and, and you're always in new places and you're looking around and life changes. He says, that's not really how life works. Mm -hmm. He talks about it as a series of, of hills and valleys mm -hmm. and maybe even hills and valleys of increasing height and depth so that you must put quite a bit of effort yeah. to get the ball up yeah. the hill. And then if you roll down, your momentum will mm -hmm. by itself leave you stuck in a valley, right? In that's a place right. where you are surround, you are in an, a permanent attractor state mm -hmm. and you're unable to jump the gap anymore. You're unable sense. to approach the cliff that's anymore. Yeah. Right? And so ironically, the uncertainty that we detest the uncertainty that, that even on an unconscious level sparks so much stress and all those chemicals and all that yeah. doubt in our bodies is the state that we most need to get comfortable with yeah. uh, in order to live fully and in order to solve mm -hmm. the myriad problems that face us as individuals as yeah. an, and as a society. Um, what do you see when you're, when you're teaching students? You have this perspective, I think much like, like what I just expressed. You love the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. What have you seen from students as they get closer to that cliff, and how do you get them there more often? <laughs> That's difficult. Um, I think 
for for myself i think the energy you bring into a space is tangible and i think if you can give that sense of it's okay i'm holding your hand with this first time we get to the edge second time i'm going to stand behind you mm. third time try it on your own it's liberating you know so giving them the parameters letting them work within those parameters feeling safe feeling comfortable but then slowly but surely taking away their complacency slowly removing those edges mm -hmm. and saying okay you know it's almost like ice skating you know you first get the little kind of zimmer frame going on whatever it's the same concept of letting go you can do this on your own but i'm here i got you i've done this as well we can do it together the first two or three times and then it's it's up to you so building a curriculum again to allow that yeah. so you know first time you do it some students walk into my class they've never even held a brush They've never thought about this idea of, I need to draw what I see. Okay, it's okay, I got you. We're gonna do it together. Next time, hey, why don't you try that a little bit? I'm gonna go help someone else. Yeah, yeah. let them ponder it on their own. And that's how you, you build that trust, that relationship, the rapport is so important. And so that's why I go back to the energy. What you bring into that, that classroom, what you bring to that child, to that student, it's going, it, it, it reflects, it's bouncing constantly. Energy does not die. It, it, it exchanges. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I, the idea that comes to my mind is the first time I rode a bike, and, and now I've actually had the, the pleasure of teaching two of my nephews to ride a bike <gasps> alongside their, their very hardworking and d diligent parents and even my grandparents. But we've all been there with the, the absolute uncertainty. I'm never going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. I don't like this feeling. Mm -hmm. The training wheels, the mm -hmm. holding on the back, the, okay, I've got your seat now and mm -hmm. genuinely hold the seat. And then, okay, I've got your seat now and don't. Really? And you know, the, maybe that's that gap where they finally look back and say, oh, I am doing it myself. Yeah. But in that moment, I don't know that there's anything more joyful. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, think, it, you know. It is a peak. Mm -hmm. You know, I think just that dopamine and everything that's just going on. I think so. What a wonderful experience. Yeah. I wish I could do that again. For the first time, you know, that first time you kicked off and you were like, I'm doing this on my own. I wish I could go back to that. Yeah, I think we all do. And maybe that's a part of our, our loss of creativity yeah. is that the things that are most available to us to experience that in, we, we largely do. Yeah. And then as you become an adult, it's harder to find those peak experiences, let's call them, or those flow yeah. states. Um, but I think all the more need for us to educate ourselves towards it and develop strategies that reliably bring us back to oh, yeah. those places. Uh, I think uh, I was, uh, we did a podcast with Rebecca Bitten talking quite a bit about mindfulness and journaling mm -hmm. and how it can be a uh, medicine for anxiety and, and a few other oh, yeah. uh, mental maladies. Mm -hmm. And the journaling process is, a, is an artistic one, mm -hmm. I think. It, it's, it's writing and it's often quite creative and you're in conversation with yourself yeah. quite a bit. But to start, the start is saying something like, for three minutes, can you just ask yourself, how do I feel right mm -hmm. now? and then write that down. Mm -hmm. You say, well, there's nothing creative, creative about that. You say, okay, well, give it a week, right? Do that for a week. And then next week, we're going to say five minutes. How do you feel right now? And then maybe one extra minute asking yourself what caused that? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's still not creative. No, you're right. Okay, give it another <laughs> week, right? Yeah. A month later, um, for a few minutes, you will almost always reliably find yourself in a flow state where there's no divide between your conscious mind and your unconscious mind, and the unconscious is flowing right onto the page. And I don't know exactly what the where the gap there is. I don't know where the leap of faith takes place, but something happens. Something happens. I think it's honesty. I think a lot of it revolves around honesty. You know, you're bearing your soul 
again, creativity for me is very much linked to that. And I feel like if you are journaling, we do it in, in our curriculum as well. Um, what is your process? What is the progress you are making through process? And there's a huge sign on my board that says mistakes equal progress process. There's no such thing as a mistake. Mm -hmm. you, when you're journaling, you think no one's reading it. You are reading it. Yeah. The most important person in your life is reading it. You. And being honest with yourself is that opening up that you're engaging with your own self. And that's where the creativity also finds a spark, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. If we have to start looking for the answers. I, I couldn't agree more. We were talking just before we started this podcast about dissociation and how so many people find themselves in varying states of being almost alienated from their own selves, from their own lives. People who are unable to cry, un mm -hmm. unable to um, fully feel most moments that they're in. And how does that dissociation happen? Mm -hmm. We say you're not doing anything while you're journaling. You're literally reforming the neural connections that, that allow you to not dissociate, that allow you to feel authentically what's, what's happening to you right now. Um, we also talked about one of the things that, that really, really, I think, obviously discourages creativity and encourages um, a, a passivity or a um, acceptance of structure is the way we treat ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, the, the great uh, clinical therapist Gabor Mate, a uh, famous Canadian who... Uh, was working on the east end of Vancouver for about 12 years dealing with you know the worst the worst of drug addiction and all kinds of other uh, brutal maladies if anyone's familiar with the situation of east Vancouver um, you know what kind of things this man was seeing on a daily basis and he's since written several very very good books dealing with things like addiction I think his most recent book the title is something like no such thing as normal um, he previously wrote in the realm of hungry ghosts but his very first book was about ADHD and he wrote it after he was diagnosed with ADHD at age 55, right? And he, he said to himself, I'm a, a successful clinical practitioner. I'm actively saving lives on a daily basis. I have a successful relationship with my wife. I have healthy relationships with my sons. How could I possibly have suddenly been diagnosed with this, with this what? Mm. With this what exactly is it? His theory, I, th I hope I'm getting this right. Um, his theory is that ADHD is not a, a disease. It is not a genetic inheritance. What it really is is some form of dissociation caused by a coping mechanism engaged by a child early on when they were desirous of creativity, desirous of newness. Perhaps they had an authentic self that they didn't know better than not to express. Right? They were just being themselves as we are when we're three or four. Mm -hmm. And they were in a setting where that was not accepted where it was not praised mm -hmm. right they were they were either bored or perhaps even in a state of fear mm -hmm. and they were too young to be able to escape that or fight back against it they couldn't fight and they couldn't fly yeah. and so they coped and they developed something like a, a dissociation mm -hmm. with their present state they became very you know irritable fidgety they, they couldn't pay attention for long periods of time fast forward 10 years they've got this coping mechanism that's not working for them anymore and they are dissociated from their experience. I think Gabor Mate would say that he loves what you do so much because it might be the best medicine for mm -hmm. that state, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Whether it's journaling and getting that conversation mm -hmm. back in your head mm -hmm. or finding a way to show your view of this mm -hmm. world by drawing it on, yeah. on paper or performing it as an act. Yeah. Or auditory. 
yeah you or know? doing a podcast yeah you know um and providing those various modes mm-hmm. um I don't know. Maybe that, that's an awful lot to digest and say all at once. But uh, do, you, do you resonate with any of that? A lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from a lot of childhood trauma myself. Um, yeah, this this notion of I said it right at the beginning, but very generalized. That was the space, you know, drawing, um, going to the piano. That was the space. That was the safe space. I could control that. I could control my timing. I could control the volume of that, that piano be it a mezzo forte or a piano, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could create that space for myself. And so I was luckily in a space where I had those opportunities to use tools to find my space and be okay with being on, I hate that word, on the spectrum. What is the spectrum? Yeah, I, is there not millions of <laughs> spectrums? That's right. where, do, where does so it begin and where end? Where does it begin and end? I don't care. I'm on it. we all on it. Yeah. Let's enjoy so. it together. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> dad would get a huge kick out of you. He would love you for saying that. <laughs> We're all on it. You know, so I was luckily um, able to use those tools. They were there. No one really told me to use them. It was obviously something that felt right. I gravitated towards it. But in my classroom, I've had students that never had that. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what tools to use, you know, or they were bombarded with tools that were actually just kind of cutting them further away from themselves. So, using what i've learned what i can see sometimes i'm wrong but i can offer those tools i can say this is a safe space for you to be and express in whatever means works for you today and if it's tomorrow that's also cool think about it yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i i think a lot of the tools that we give students now we give young people now come with the little function tag attached to them say sir why do i have to write this essay uh, oh, because you'll have to write essays in university, mm-hmm. and and you've it's, got to succeed at university. Um, you know, why why do I have to learn the violin? Uh, because it's been demonstrated that Ivy League schools are more impressed by uh, people with mastery of classical instruments, not because it's beautiful, because yeah. you'll be able to to find something authentic in yourself to express through it. Right? You have a, now have a medium for that. Mm-hmm. No, no. Right? Why why would I play sports? should play sports for for exercise for for the companionship and the camaraderie for what it teaches you about your own limitations and how to deal with things like fear and pain no no playing basketball because you need another extracurricular on your application that's it right and i, I don't know what happens when when a young sure. person sees that function tag yeah. on the thing they're doing you're not you're not getting no, them on board with it no. right? that's why that perspective thing you know flip it flip it on its head turn it around you know, if we're looking at things in a different light, that's maybe where we can start. If you think of any artist, they're kind of on the peripheral of society. Mm-hmm. As much as they are maybe part of some form of club or whatever within a social kind of status, they're always peripheral. They're always this, you know, are they, you know, within the crowd? Are they looking in on it? This voyeurism comes from, from being a creative, I think, mm-hmm. looking in. And if you can pull students to that periphery sometimes, they're scared there. It's like the edge. The periphery is the same. But if you get them there for a few moments and say, look in, look at it now on itself, mm-hmm. you don't have to look at that function button or that little tag that we put on. What is it doing for you yeah. and just you? You don't have to show it off. It's for you. Yeah. I didn't understand <laughs> it when I first heard it, but one of Immanuel Kant's most famous lines is that we must treat people as ends in themselves. 
right? Yeah. You, we're, we're not using you as a means to boost our numbers. And if you felt that way, you would never trust me again. Right? right. And we're not, you're, you're not learning so that you can have this paycheck or this status or whatever you, you're learning because the thing you're doing is, is yeah. it create, generates a, an authentic sensation in you. It's good yeah. right now. Yeah. You're living right now. Yeah. 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 I really dig that. Um, we, we still need all of the other parts uh, of school, I think. Like we, you know, we need to teach the, the hard skills and the oh, disciplines. Yeah. The and rules. Yeah. yeah. So um, we can break them. I think so. I think so. Learn the fundamentals so that you can break them. Yeah, yeah we say that a lot in sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have we have a market that we're sending these these young people out into, and they need to survive. And yeah. uh, there's a limited ways of uh, doing that. So, so in as much as we need to continue dedicating resources to things like STEM and mm-hmm. and and others, um, how do you imagine in a place like Braemar, maybe even in your own practice, uh, we can weld? You're, you're a welder, and <laughs> you've done that as an artistic uh, medium. How do we weld? creative theory and an appreciation for creativity in all its forms with mm. a, a pretty highly structured curriculum and in many cases pretty highly structured settings for learning oh that's a big question because it's it's in theory on paper i think it's quite easy to do mm. you know if if i look at the curriculums i've come from in the past it's easy to write it down and say this is this looks great here's the rule book just do it do it in the classroom. So but comforting. Yeah, but there's contextual factors. Mm-hmm. How many do we have in a class? How many um, are at a level of language skill? And so that all starts playing a role. So the organics, this this thing becomes organic. Mm. And so you have to keep adapting. We spoke about this adaptation to life, and that's the curriculum. It constantly needs to shift. It constantly needs to ebb and flow. And I think... I'm not answering your question. I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm I, skirting it. If there were clear answers so... to, to this question, <laughs> I think we would know them. Um, I, hope, I, hope, I hope we would, yeah. Yeah. Um, so generating spaces and constantly insisting on, on spaces that have room for organic growth, yes. right? Yes. You, 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 if you're a gardener, you mm-hmm. know you can plot as much as you want, but there are always plant. going to be these things that happen unpredictably. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's There's too that one little to... plant that decides, I'm loving the sunlight. Yeah. It's great. So yes, your practice is doing well for that plant. Mm-hmm. The little plant sitting next to it is like, I'm hating this. I've got too much water. You've given me way too much of this and that. I'm out. Yeah. That's, that's our students. <laughs> yeah. And, and as a gardener, you can't look at the plant that's not thriving and say, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you can't. The other plant's doing well. Perk up. Yeah. Come on. No, no. You've got to change your tactics. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. So and the then contextual factors. If I, I like to, the, the metaphor of comparing a garden with a factory, right? If, if you treat a machine the way you treat a plant, that machine's going to break pretty quickly, mm-hmm. right? Because it, 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 by its nature, it's not adaptable. It has mm-hmm. to work precisely and do the same thing every time. If you treat organic material, material if you treat young, highly Mines. plastic brains like mm-hmm. machines, uh, the, they're not going to do what they tell you. They're not going to produce the, the um, planned output. No. Right. Yeah. It, maybe it's a, a pretty obvious and cliched metaphor at this point, but I, I, I really wish that that was more on in the front of um, everyone's mind, parents' minds, students' minds, and especially the people who are designing our, our education system. Fortunately, at Braemar, uh, we have quite a bit of freedom to, yeah. to inform our classes with those types of attitudes. And as a result, uh, we see things like uh, you know the, the gallery at, at last year's Expressions yeah. Banquet, which we, it just just blew me away right? it was a little museum walking through yeah. and seeing things that i would expect 
people who've been practicing their technique for for decades yeah. to produce and these are students who have been as you say they may have walked into your class without yeah. ever holding a brush before and i got nine weeks yeah and the things that they produce <laughs> after those nine weeks are That's, extraordinary yeah. um we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast on a, on a happy note uh what what's happened in the past year at braemar and what are you looking forward to in the oh. future in the in the creative realm oh so much i think just having the opportunities surrounding braemar you know we've got the ago we got rom we've got we just went to the graffiti alley a few weeks back just taking students out and doing some perspective drawings you know of the buildings in the financial district queen's park toronto university mm -hmm. just being in the hub of it just feeling what's around you being present you know that i think is one of the biggest things at the forefront of my intentions this year is being present being in the moment you know try not to mediate it too much through a screen yeah and being in it so you know connecting with people new people so the more events we've got our event on friday first one for the year with the thanksgiving kind yeah. of little lunch um so yeah we're just trying to make our students feel at home another family but also just feeling connected feeling part of something bigger than themselves mm. i love it it gives me good feelings yeah we're looking forward to seeing what the creatives club run by miss boyce does all year long as you say you got your first big event coming up this friday um we're going to see stratford shakespeare mm -hmm. performance in two weeks time um right. i was i was literally just walking past uh, the ontario college of art and design which you can Oh, yeah. You can throw okay, a stone is, from here yeah, and, and, and hit it. Strangest yeah. building in, in oh, the city. Yeah. yeah, but I'm, I'm walking past with a few students on the way to the gym, and I say to them, yeah, that's the AGO, and this is Grange Park, and mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's OCAD. What's mm -hmm. OCAD? The Ontario mm -hmm. College of Art and Design. And you just see a couple of them kind of start going, hmm, <laughs> downtown Toronto. I got my gym here. I got the museum right there. I got a park. Mm -hmm. This, you yeah. know, they can see themselves. Cool as, colors holding yeah. up this massive structure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could go to school in a, in a super weird, cool yeah, building for the next yeah. four years. I love it. I, I love being able to walk out and have no plan mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how these kids are going to be inspired, but let, let the space do it for you. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think of you that way as well. <laughs> I don't have to have a plan. I'm going to walk them past the, the art class. They're going to have a chat with Miss Boyce, and awesome. there's the inspiration. Thank you for all That's you do, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart. I love it. You know, when you coming in two years ago, you really changed uh, the way art is done here, and, and you gave me a huge boost of energy. So, oh, so let's just keep it rolling. Awesome. Thank you very much. Any last yeah. words uh, for the folks at home? Oh, nothing at all. Come past 407. I'm always there. Come visit me. Come say hi. Folks, roll through 407 anytime. You'll have a, a good chat with Miss Boyce. We love you. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been the Braemar Life Skills Academy. I'm Mike Helsby. Looking forward to talking to you more about personal development and education and the relationship between them next time. Thanks again. See ya. And be sure to join us for our next episode, where I'll be talking to two of our awesome student leaders, hoping to ask them some questions about international education and their own experiences in the classroom.